it going everybody? My name is Thomas Kingwell and I'm the host and founder of The Dad Syndicate and I'm excited to bring you another episode of The Dad Syndicate podcast. This week we've got a very exciting guest as usual. We've had so many interesting different kinds of guests over the last few weeks from transgender dad, Adrian Dowling, to pastors, to multimillionaires, to Navy SEALs, uh, you name it. Uh, we've even had rock stars on here. Today we've got a fellow podcaster and his name is Mike Yabra. He is the founder of Wolf and Iron, he has his own podcast as well, and he also has a business called Rustic and Main, where they make the most amazing rings and other products out of old antique kind of materials. He even makes it out of ships or stocks of rifles or barrels or these kind of things. Really excited to be talking with him today. We have an interesting conversation that spans many topics from following our calling, practicing patience as we find meaning and following our passions. We also talk about the confusion and chaos in society and our differing views on gender identification. We end up by looking at how Mike approached raising two boys. He became a father at a very young age and how looking back can cause us certain regrets if we don't step up in an effective way as a man and a father. And I think it's very important to look there and to think about that is that, you know, we only have this one chance to be the dad that we can be and the man that we can be. And a lot of our problems in society stem from fathers that don't step up and don't own their roles and don't treat their wives right and, you know, go to work and don't step up there either. And I've really been challenged as a dad, especially in the last while, to really be an example to my children and live a life that they can be proud of, one that shows them the direction to go. Have I always done that? Definitely not. But I'm looking forward to growing every week as I do these podcasts. I definitely have so far. Also have a podcast on Friday called the Dad Stoic Podcast and that one we are up to number seven this week. Really good uh, way of looking at stoicism, how we can apply it to life. But I'm just really excited to be changing as a person and changing as a dad and, and really finding more peace and tranquility and enjoyment in my life and enjoyment in my relationship with my kids and seeing the positive outworkings there. As I've said, not there yet, but uh, taking another step forward in this conversation with Mike Yarbrough. So I really hope you enjoy it. One more thing, guys, please just share this podcast with whoever you can so we can get it out there and get a bit more visibility and help more fathers to experience the joy and the satisfaction of really living out their meaning as a man and a father. But let's get on to the conversation with Mike. So welcome to the Dad Sitting Up Podcast, Mike Yarbrough. Welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Tom. Glad to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Mm. I'm really stoked we got to hook this up and I'm excited to talk to you. There's loads of things to talk to you about, um, especially Rustic and Main, all the beautiful things you're doing. I was actually showing some of my colleagues some of the rings you make and some of the materials you use. And, yeah. and a lot of the women were like, ooh, and ah, and like really, really good. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's quite hard for us to get yeah. that stuff over to the to Germany without paying an arm and a leg, which I found out when I ordered some merch from from America and then end up going there and paying like loads of duties so <laughs> we have to see about yep, that yep. but anyway i mean um tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from and about your family perhaps yeah so i'm i'm, I'm from uh, the u.s obviously people probably pick up on that and then uh, uh but originally from tennessee currently living in north carolina i've actually been in north carolina most of my life now and uh uh, family got a, a wife and two boys. Uh, we got we got started really young. I was 18 uh, when we got married. And, wow. <laughs> um, I've had a have had a hard road ever since then, really. But we've got two boys that we've raised uh, that are 17 and 20 years old, which is crazy because I'm only 41. And uh, we got two dogs, and uh, we've got some uh, some neat business stuff that we do. So we've got Wolf and Iron, which is probably more related to the things that. Uh, that we'll be talking about today. We've also got Rustic in Maine, which is 
um, totally different, but it's also very cool. Uh, Rustic in Maine, we make wedding rings mm. out of historic woods and other unique materials. So we've got stuff from World War One, World War Two, lots of different whiskey brands uh, that we that we use in our rings. Mm. And so the the whole the whole idea behind both brands, if, if there's a common thread, it's it's really just trying to tell a story. So with Rustic in Maine, we do that with the rings that we create, and then with Wolf and Iron, we do that through either the story of somebody's life from the past, some man of history like Theodore Roosevelt or whoever. Uh, sometimes it's my own story. Sometimes it's, it's just what's going on in my life. And uh, But the idea is that we want guys to be able to connect through the stories of our lives and basically just, you know, for us to be able to find meaning, uh, you know, as life, uh, through in our life, you know, as men, and just to put some context around that and how stories work, essentially. Okay. And what were you doing before that? Uh, I was a software developer, actually, for about 15 years. So uh, okay. wow. I, I was got started early in, in, in life, like I said, marriage and all that kind of stuff. I went to the military for a little bit, got out, and the IT field was just booming. And so I jumped in as a, uh, as a support guy for computers and then eventually made my way to a uh, software developer. And I did that for a number of years. I, you know, in my 20s, that was kind of exciting. I uh, learned a lot about business, learned a lot about uh, uh, how to be efficient and, and just a number of different things. But I, I really lost my passion for it in my 30s. I just felt like I was just creating virtual things that oftentimes didn't, it just didn't have that same impact as having something tangible or something that you knew was making a difference in somebody's life. Plus, there was always a lot of red tape to go through to, you know, to, to make things happen. Mm. Well, I mean, that's that's pretty far removed from what you're doing now. I mean, it's completely different. <laughs> it is. And, you know, like I said, the, there are some aspects of writing code, uh, if you're going to do that well as an architect, as a developer, that you bring into other areas of life. So it's you know, efficiencies. It's how you think objectively mm. about things. It's the willingness to try and to fail over and over again until you get it right. So there are, there are a lot of principles that I've that brought into our businesses. Um, and that's been great. And even some technology you know, experience and stuff like that I bring in as well. But you're right, in terms of the day-to-day, what, you know, what's the ultimate thing that I'm creating? Well, it's either um, podcast on Wolf and Iron, products for Wolf and Iron, mm. or we're coming up with new ring designs or something like that for Rustic. And so this it is very different. Mm-hmm. And that's, that was very intentional, just to have something that, that I, uh, you know, some tangible things to connect to, and then some things that would really move the hearts of people so that I knew I could make a, a lasting impact in the world. And do you, do you feel that both of those were like a calling? Like you felt something calling you to leave the software development and to start something like this? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, even as, as developers, we would, we would be in a building, you know, write some code, we'd take a lunch break or something like that. And we would look down from the window or outside and we'd see guys, you know, crane operators or, you know, dump truck, drivers you know uh guys using bulldozers whatever just doing like actual work and we would just be like man if we could just get out there for a couple <laughs> hours that'd be awesome mm. and but then of course those guys are thinking the same thing they're looking at us on the inside going man if i could just get inside for a few hours that'd be awesome and so i i knew that there was some part of me that was missing out on physical tangible real things to be created and so i that was i've always been a maker of things always been creative and so uh, Rustic really fit that bill very well. Wolf and Iron really came along actually before Rustic and Maine started. So Wolf and Iron began okay. first. 
And that was definitely a, a true calling. That was something where it still is it's something where I just feel, and I see all you guys see it. I see it all around that men aren't living up to our potential. We, we, uh, you know, are less than what we know we ought to be or what we feel led to be or called to be. And yet at the same time, we, we don't always have a lot of good examples of, of what we should be doing differently. And so I knew that in order to, uh, to set that example and to live that life, I was going to have to do something very different. You know, I, I was going to have to, at some point, stop the cushy job where I'm making money and I've got a 401k and all this other kind of stuff and embark on some kind of journey that would, you know, really, um, for myself, just uh, be meaningful and, and, and meet those passions and those desires. And it's, it's heeding that call that I think God's going to put on my, my heart and my mind. That and, and I think it's something that's very needed mm. in both, both areas. Mm. So how did you know that that was your calling? Like what were the signs and, and things that led you to know, okay, well, I want to start the Wolf and I, and I want to do a podcast. I want to talk about the state of men today. I want to reach out to men in that way. And then yeah. obviously, as you said, it led to Rustic and Maine. What were, the, what, were the, yeah, what were the things that made you know, okay, this is it? Or was there something that made you think, okay, this is it. This is what I want to do with my life. Yeah, absolutely. So I think a lot of us, Sometimes our callings or the things that really stand out to us are the areas in our own lives where somebody's made an impact on us or we've done something and we, we go, oh, my gosh, if everybody could experience this, their life would be changed, right, for the better. And so I, I grew up without a permanent father figure. I had my granddad in my life, which was great, and he taught me some things about being a young man. And as I got older, I got, like I said, I got married young, and so I had other guys come along and show me the ropes and teach me more about being a man. And I, I just thought, you know, like that, that, for one, that gave me a passion to give back to guys locally and, and to help out however I could in those, that area. But I really wanted to do something larger on a bigger scale. And that probably comes from my development background. I always want to do things that just, that go, that could really scale well and, and make a big impact. And so when I, a lot of times we get these desires or these feelings of things we want to do, de determining whether or not that's like your life mission or that's your life calling. We've got to, sometimes we've got to just test it and be honest with ourselves. So the first year that I was writing blog articles for Wolf and Iron, I really didn't tell many people about it. I was excited about it, but I, I also knew that it could be kind of like a, a flash in the pan sort of thing where like I got excited about it. I started this blog and then I got it out of my system and then I, you know, I was done. And so uh, it was really not until that second year that I was like, man, this is something that I'm more excited about than ever. Mm -hmm. And not only am I excited about it, but I also I continue to see the need out there. And I, I think that there are, whenever we're deciding, like, what's our purpose in life? And we've got to evaluate it against a couple of things. One, what's our worldview? How do we see the world? You know, and, and mm -hmm. what do we think is important and valuable? Uh, two, we've got to be able to say, what are our gifts and our talents? And then, you know, the things that we're passionate about. And we've also got to um, you know, have the talents and stuff like that. So that's kind of like two and three. And then we've got to figure out what the needs are out there. Like, you know, is there a need that I can fill using my gifts and my talents, my passions, my worldview that kind of helped me come full circle there. And mm -hmm. if, if I can, if there's a, if there's some area that I can fit, then that's, you know, men feel called to work, uh, for positive effect in some area of life that they deem valuable. And that's, that's, you know, there may be 20 other things that I could be doing with my life. I certainly have a lot of varied interests, but, you know, it's just finding like, will this satisfy my soul as a man mm. to, to do this? Yeah. You know, do I find it 
invigorating? Am I more encouraged to do it? You know, the more time I spend in it, do I get more and more excited mm-hmm. about it? Or do I feel drained? You know? So there's, there's some of those elements as well that go into making that decision. Mm. But I mean, there must have been hard times. I mean, I'm going in through myself. I mean, I, I agree with you. I'm very excited about it. But I definitely feel drained sometimes, especially after my, you know, after my day job. I mean, I'm a school teacher. That's definitely something that you've got to put full on interesting. Oh, yeah. and, then, and then I'm doing like a podcast or like last week I recorded three podcasts and you know how the social media, the unfortunate uh, necessary evil of social media goes. So how was that? I mean, did you yeah. feel the resistance sometimes like Stephen Pressfield talks about, you know, the resistance yeah, yeah. and then have to overcome that sometimes? Because I know for myself, it's like that. And probably for a lot of men out there when they kind of follow their little nudge or their little calling, there's naturally resistance. Yeah, I think I love Stephen Pressfield's, uh, the, you know, the war yeah. of art. And I think that's, yeah. that's a great way of putting it, the resistance. And I think we do all feel that. I think, so, you know, sometimes resistance is, I mean, it's a, it's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, it's, if we give into yeah. it, like if that becomes our default to say, like, I've, I have some resistance, so there I'm just not going to do whatever. Well, then we're not going to progress. But I think, we do have to avoid burnout. I mean, that's real, you know, if, you know, I might think like I'm supposed to post on social media on Instagram three times a day because that's what the pros do. And I'm supposed to release three podcast episodes a week. And I, you know, all this other kind of stuff. And I, and I I really have to ask myself, like, is that really what I'm trying to build for myself? Mm. Is you know, is that, and, and does that guarantee me success if I do that? No. So there might be some weeks where I, you know, we, we do, Actually, for the last several weeks, for the last several months, we've just done one podcast because that's fit into my life, my world. Mm. Um, I post on Instagram rather infrequently. And I'll tell you, the result of that is, is a couple of things. One, I don't have the biggest Instagram account. I don't have the most podcast followers. I don't, you know, uh, but I'm also, I've been doing this for six years and I still love it, you know? Mm. And that's, that's the thing is I, I, I still enjoy, I still, there's always, like, I'm excited about the next thing. I'm excited about the new ideas, the new products we're going to release or the new uh, the new, um, you know, direction that we're going to go with Wolf and I and different things like that. And I, I, I don't, this is, if you realize that this is going to be a lifetime thing, like, or at least for 20 years or whatever, you can't worry about the, the next year and a half. You can't worry about the next two years. It's, it's very small. What you really should be focused on is, can I be true to uh, be dedicated over the long haul? You know, if, if you, if you are able to produce three podcast episodes a week, and post three times a day on social media and you're able to do that but you're going to burn out in a year and a half you're you're, you're no better off than if you had just you know just taking your time and you know uh kind of allowed some resistance to to inform you of your own limitations and then you know make make decisions accordingly mm. i think I, I don't really i don't necessarily agree that res- all resistance is bad i think it's just something like there's that initial thing saying hey you've got a lot going on. Like as a teacher, I mean, everybody knows, at least here in the States, I don't know how it is over Germany, but in the States, like teachers are just way overworked. Like it's, it's crazy. The amount of emotional stuff that you have to deal with and bureaucratic stuff and all that over here, it's nuts. And so like that, that affects how you live, what you do, you know, and uh, you've got to be able to, I think you should enjoy building this platform. Hmm. I like it, man. I love it. I mean, it's especially because I've been grappling with this at the moment, and I think you've really kind of put it into perspective for me. Another thing that put it into perspective for me was that we were all part of like a bigger thing. And, and when you actually put that at the head of it, when you realize, you know, you speak about the state of men today, it's kind of focused just generally on men and and them stepping up. And then I'm obviously focused on fathers and helping to them to step up. But when you see it as part of the bigger picture, 
you know, as a bigger calling in general of, you know, doing these things, it's, it's not just about us, you know, and it's not all about exactly what yeah. we do. You know, it's kind of like a legacy we leave, or as you put it, you know, it's a 20 year thing. It doesn't have to happen all the moment. And when it's connected to that mission and sometimes I think the Facebook and all these things can, can kind of distract anybody from anything and any mission, whether it be being a father or mother or any job, but it's the same thing with us. You can get distracted with all the posting on social media and getting out those podcasts and it becomes, um, it becomes unenjoyable at that time because you kind of put these self-imposed um, deadlines on yourself, which, which sometimes is good because you're obviously then going to produce something. Sure. But um, when, it, when it distracts from the mission, you know, when you actually realize what you want to do and what your intention is and that that plays the biggest role but that it fits into your life. And I like how you put it, that it it's becomes kind of sustainable and it, and it can grow slowly. And I think that that impatience with the growth and that checking the podcast downloads, you know, and these kind of things and, <laughs> and kind of pushing, I've been really grappling with that. So it's awesome that you say that because it kind of gives me a little bit more feeling of like, you know, there isn't any hurry and somehow we feel that everything has to happen. I suppose it's the way we, the world we live in at the moment and we can get onto that in a moment about the state of men today because I'd like to hear more about your take and naturally I've listened to your podcast and, and, and know kind of in what general direction you will take us. But I think that as dads and you and you have, you've had your kids while you were changing these careers and stuff and I think that that yeah. is something that suffers greatly or can suffer greatly if you don't manage these kind of things well. And I think a lot of men, as I've discussed in a previous podcast with a Navy SEAL before, was Winston Churchill, Theodore Roosevelt. A lot of these men, JFK, Nelson Mandela, they all did great things in the world. But if you look at their relationship with their kids or what happened at home, it wasn't all sunshine and roses there. And it wasn't looking yeah. even close to what they achieved. And I think that that's something that I've been thinking about as well. So I love what you say there. But let's get back to your mission. Um, I think you've kind of told us how did you know that it was happening and why you have done it yourself and why you're the guy to do that. But what when you look at the state of men today, how would you describe that? I, I think there's a, there's a tremendous amount of confusion. And so when men don't have clear direction, they tend towards passivity. And so you've got basically confusion and then inaction on how to move forward. You know, how, how do I correct my confusion? You know, we've got, uh, I don't know how you guys stand on the whole transgender thing and, and whatnot, but, you know, if, if there's a if there's a 50 or 60 year, you know, 40 year old man that decides that he's a woman, okay, maybe I, that makes a little sense. You know, maybe I can say he's got some life experience. He can decide that on his own. I wouldn't agree with that decision, but at the same time, okay, you know, they're, they're, they're well into adulthood at that point. Here in the States, and I imagine it's the same thing all over, uh, you know, kids are confused about whether they're a male or female. And I, you know, if you if you take into account that you've got uh, broken families, right? So you've got homes that yeah. uh, where you know mom's not there, dad's not there, whatever. Single single parent homes. You've got things like autism. You got social media. You got all this other kind of stuff that's just kind of almost like our day and our culture. So you add this instability that we already have going on, and then you add into that a, a the, the natural things that ought to just be trustworthy. You know that. I'm a male, I'm a female, whatever the case is, and we, we could understand those things. When we don't have that, that should be a big red flag to us as a society to say, hey, okay, people can have the freedom to do whatever they want to do. Who knows what the future is going to hold? People might be able to get cattails installed or you know, fur or something like that. I mean, we, we just don't know. Wow. But, but the thing is, is that there shouldn't be confusion about it. It, should, it shouldn't be a state of like, I don't know what I am. And then, you know, that, so I think we're in a, in a big state of confusion. And then that confusion leads to passivity. Guys don't know if they should be married, if they shouldn't be married. They don't know 
when they should get married. They don't know uh, if, you know, how to determine if a relationship's going well or not. Um, you know, there's, there's so many different things. Like there's a, there's, but we're wide open to the op, the option that our forefathers really never had, but the option is I can be lazy, I can do less, and I can still live and get by. Mm. And that's, unfortunately, that's something that's, that's an option on the table for people that, you know, that we never really had before. And so we're learning how to deal with this. Well, in a state of confusion and passivity, that's a very difficult decision to make in a mature way. Like it's, it's difficult for men to say, I have the option to sit at home and just eat chips all day or, you know, and, and work from home and, and whatever and have some easy job. But that's not the right thing for me to do, because if he doesn't have clarity, if he doesn't know uh, what action he's supposed to take in order to be the man that he's called to be, if he doesn't even know what that looks like, you know, a man's basically got to decide how's he going to live his life. But if he doesn't have the clarity on what living life as a man looks like, he's probably not going to be able to make the correct decision. So basically the state of masculinity, uh, confusion abounds and passivity is the typical response. And so we want to move away from that and get to a place where there's some clarity, some understanding, and then action behind it. Mm. Yeah, I mentioned transgender, and it's quite interesting because I actually just interviewed a transgender dad, which was very interesting for me. Oh, and um, that so. was like yeah. two weeks ago. And um, I agree with you. I think when there's when there's confusion, it, it can't be good for society. And I also think that there's a little bit of chaos going on at the moment because there's so many things changing at the same time. It's basically in the ten, last 10 years, there's major shifts in society and major shifts in values and major shifts in ideology and philosophy and these kind of things. And I have to agree with you. Yep. I think it's more dangerous um, when people are lazy and when these men have this option to live this easy life. And I was thinking about here in Germany, especially because I'm from South Africa. And then the last guest I had was a South African musician who we were talking about um, safety in South Africa and how you really have to protect and yep. you really have to preside. And you've got to like really make sure that you are watching and vigilant so those manly masculine qualities are really needed and you actually have to step up as a man often and i was almost killed there one night yeah. myself i was basically came out of a restaurant had been managing it had the money on me got um taken by two guys guy tried to kill me stabbed me through between my heart between my chest and my arm and i threw my clothes still got the clothes had to run away and so it's kind of necessary whereas in germany here wow. uh, i'm telling you man you can just be the laziest guy you can order all your food and you can order everything on Amazon. Um, so for me, that is the problem. And for me, yeah. it's, it's, it's a half life, you know, because I can only talk for myself. And this is what I'll be honest with you. I used to be, I grew up a Christian until about 35. So I've not yeah. been a Christian for about six years. And although I do believe in a God still. Yeah. Um, so I grew up with a very conservative family and kind of my dad was anti-homosexual. And when I was friends with gay people, he was worried that I was going to turn gay and those things, but it never happened to me because I'm just not gay. And yeah. I grew up with some yeah. prejudices within me. And um, I kind of shut a, shut a lot of people off inside in my life. And I'm looking at the world today and I just look at it on the evidence that I see. And I look at it on the people that I meet. And I'm trying to discover and trying to decide um, how I see things for real when I let things in. Do you know what I mean? Because you can always shut things off and go. A lot of people, and that's what I don't like. Because yeah. like with me, I've interviewed pastors. Or I've interviewed pastors yeah. on you. You know, friends of mine that are pastors, guys from America that are pastors. And I yeah. I love the, what Christianity does for being a father, for instance. I think it sets a really great, you know, um, roadmap. Is one of my um, podcasts that I've done as well, which is about raising kids. And I think Christianity does that. Um, it kind of gives you a guideline. You don't have to think it up too much. And I think that's the hard thing about society these days, that everyone has to think up 
everything these days. You know, it's all it's all in flux. But yeah. you know, I have an experience where my kids, like I told Adian um, the other night, is that I had this experience with uh, my children's um, kindergarten where I went to go pick them up the one day, and I said, "I oh, can I speak to Manuela?" And they said, "It's not Manuela, it's Felix." And I was like, "What?" And they said, "It's it's not Manuela, it's Felix." Now I'll tell you, five six years ago, I would have been like, "What the heck's going mm. on here?" And I would have been so close, but I'd opened myself up a little bit. And this woman at that yeah. stage was like 44. And then I was like, I don't know what's going on here. And then I realized what's going on here. And then I got this letter from the kindergarten from yeah. her. And it really broke my heart, man. I have to say, it changed my whole perspective. And this is why I interviewed Adian, because I think we have to understand it's all different. And I agree. And you'll even hear, if you listen to that episode, you'll hear that he's very, um, very, uh, rational and very logical about it and wary about just kids deciding at a young age or parents pushing kids to decide and confusing children and being like what's happening at the moment where a mother is basically this you right. know won a court case to start uh hormone therapy or whatever it was on a seven-year-old against the father's will at such a young age so that's something i personally don't agree with adian for instance was only 16 was still yep. a lesbian yep. for quite a long time and then eventually went on testosterone about 10 years ago after much thought and much realization and is a very happy person. And to go back to the story about this other woman, um, when I read the letter where she wrote how she'd been this person like trapped in this body for so long and so unhappy and having to pretend and, you know, because society wasn't able to accept this person. I cried, bro. I have to say, I cried. I, I just thought about it for a moment. I was like, wow, man. Like, and I met her and I spoke to her and him and I was yeah. just so supportive and I was shocked. I was shocked. I was shocked myself because I had grown up where I would have thought this was totally bizarre. I would have thought if my son came home and told me he was gay, I would have been horrified when I was younger, when I was just 30. And just by talking to these people and engaging with Adrian, who's just such a lively, yeah. vibrant person, more ripped than me, by the way, and works out like a Trojan and has a beard better than mine, his hair's better than mine and everything. It's actually quite funny. <laughs> I mean, and he's happy, man. He's been on Ellen. You can check him out and 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 on Instagram. And I don't know, man. It, it changed my perspective. And I just want to be open to all fathers. And I want to help all fathers, no matter who they are, because there's kids in their lives. So I don't want to be any more. I don't want to discriminate against people. And I don't want to be prejudiced against people. However, <laughs> I do want our society to not become some chaos where everybody's confused by everybody else. And I think that's the danger is when we start having people doing things that are not that are not authentic or not a genuine because of the media or what's going around. And, you know, I'm a real, if you look on my profile and stuff, like I'm a real guy that loves the masculinity thing. And Adrian loves masculinity. Do you know what I mean? Like he really believes in that. And there's a male and a female like role that it plays in a child's life. And I think so as well. And for yep. me, sure. my path, I love the strenuous life. I love cold showers. I love to go mountain biking. I love to make fire just like you. I mean, you have very similar things to me, but I just, um, I just felt a light, a light, uh, a load lifted yeah. off me by the end of certain prejudices in my life, and certain like I was thinking that I was shutting them in bars, but at the end of the day, it kind of felt like I've been in bars, like having these thoughts. But I know it's different in the Christian, in the Christian, um, you know, I don't want to say religion because I, as a, yeah. a Christian, we always said it wasn't a religion, you know, but the Christian faith and how it looks at it. So how? How do you look at it now like that? Because when I was a Christian, it was quite, these kind of things right, were just right. black and white, you know? Whereas I'm not really sure, is it still black and white because it's a sin? Um, or is it kind of like, how do you look at it? Sure. When someone is so sure and has waited so long and 
basically didn't just make this decision at the drop of a hat, but has made this decision at the age of 40 after ages, or for instance, has waited till they're 20 to really go, okay, fine. I really know that this isn't, an, and was miserable being the other one, you know? Right. Well, yeah, I think, so uh, just briefly, you know, when we talk about being a Christian, I, when we, there are different Christians, there are different churches, mm, you know, different yeah. sects of, of Christianity. Some yeah. people are going to be 100% open and supportive of homosexuality, transgenderism, you know, doesn't, you know, almost doesn't really matter how you live your life in, in those respects. You're going to have those that are on the other you know, side of it where it's just like they, you know, they would set you on fire if you came in. Right. <laughs> and I, I think both of those, uh, I, I think you're most likely you're not going to meet, you're probably going to meet people who are more in the middle, you know, most likely and uh, somewhere. But I think one of the things we got to keep in mind, I think this is something that's been good about um, the, um, the homosexuality and transgenderism and stuff that's happened. I, I guess a good aspect of it or a good, you know, change from the, you know, maybe the Christian point of view from years past. And that is, is that we can, we can really recognize that people like the person you're talking about, people you're talking about, like there's, they are worthy of respect. Like they are worthy of love. Uh, they are, they can do good. They may be the people you'd want to have in your life. They may be the people that you would, you know, that you would, that would drop everything to help you out, get you out of a ditch. If your house is on fire, they'd come and help, you know, whatever. They can be good people worthy of respect. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to, uh, uh, you know, celebrate everything that they do. And I, cause there's an aspect to it where even they would say, I wouldn't wish this on somebody else. I wouldn't wish that mm. my, you know, our children would be gay or be transgender. Uh, I want people to have the freedom to be who they are, but I wouldn't necessarily wish this on somebody. Right. Mm -hmm. So that, and that would be, that'd be pretty common in the, in the, in the gay community. Like they're super accepting of people who are gay. You know, and they want, and there's a sense they want their community to grow, but they wouldn't necessarily want it for somebody else because there's an act, there's an aspect of it that is, it's, it's something not, it's, there's a, there's a piece of it. Whether you think about it from a religious standpoint or a, a scientific standpoint, biological standpoint, really doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. There's an aspect of it that just doesn't add up. You couldn't have a society filled with people who are all gay or a society who was filled with people who are all transgender. It would be, it would be an absolute wreck, mm -hmm. right? And, and there's, you know, but you could have a society where everybody was heterosexual and, you know, they were male and female. And so there's an aspect where even they recognize that there's a, there's a dysfunctional piece there. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're evil people, um, you know, uh, and that they're going to do terrible things. It just means that there's something there that still should raise a flag for us of like, Hey, what's happening in our society? We, we would, we'd say the same thing about, uh, you know, back in the day people who were blind right uh there was thought to be that there was they were morally inferior mm. than other people right or people who just needed glasses were thought to be uh morally inferior in some ways well you know imagine if we just said you know you guys are terrible uh morally inferior people and we never did anything to try and understand what's what's causing this what's happening here what's you know what's the mm -hmm. issue but thankfully for things like whether it be uh eyesight or ADD, ADHD, autism, anything that we would say, hey, look, these people are worthy of respect. We love them, but we don't want our the next generation to suffer in this kind of way or to feel the same way, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that there's there's got to be a discussion still that takes place as to what is going on, what is leading to this, because this is not the norm. This is this wouldn't ultimately lead to a healthy society if everybody were to take this you know this route. But don't you think it's been around for forever, actually? 
and that it just hasn't been as oh, sure. prevalent. And yeah. because of the media, it's just so huge. I mean, the media plays a huge role in kind of magnifying everything um, and kind of setting people against each other and polarizing people. And in the oh, old yeah. days, basically, firstly, you wouldn't be able to take hormone therapy or maybe they had some ways of doing that. And probably in, in a lot of societies, it was these people would just live undercover forever, you know, or as you said, uh, yep. get maligned or kicked out or all these things you know people lived in the fear of their fear of their lives and it still happens in some places in africa where homosexuality is even outlawed and it's just kind of thing that it's been around yep. but it's kind of prevalent now now you can actually do something about it to kind of change what is what has happened biologically and um i mean i understand i understand how you see it well, and, and i saw it like that for a while and, and i understand that it's kind of different and it's it's kind of new and it's kind of moving very fast for us in that it used to be like wrong to be that way 20 years ago. And now it's wrong to talk against that. Well, it, 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 it's changed really quickly. You're right. Like the, the switch from you could openly say things that were, you know, <laughs> yeah, anti-gay yeah. or anti-trans or whatever, or make sure just jokes about it, you know, and now you can't, you can't do that. It's yeah. the opposite. And oh, well, let me just, you know, the part about biological, you know, there may be a day when somebody can take a pill or they can undergo some kind of treatment and flip from a from a male to a female or vice versa. That that might happen at some point in the future. Right now, and probably for the foreseeable next fifty years, hundred years, that's probably not going to be the case. And I think that the danger with traditional kind of acceptance of transgenderism is that there's kind of a one way to address it, you know, and that is surgery, hormones, uh, and all that kind of stuff. I can tell you, listen, like hormones, especially for women, are extremely um, difficult to manage and to get right just for like a regular yeah. woman you know we don't live the way we used to and it really affects how uh, their hormones so trying to convert a man to a woman or a woman to a man it's going to do some some craziness to their body and the, the the truth is at the end of the day is if you were a man and you really desire to be a woman one of the things you have to come to to acknowledge is that you will never be able to be one so the thing that you most feel called to be you can't actually be and you will always be considered trans. You may look like a man. You may lift more than me. You may have a beard and all that kind of stuff. But technically, you're not going to be male. And you're probably not going to fit in with men in the traditional kind of ways that you might want to. So there's always going to be this kind of, you're in transition basically for the rest of your life. But here's, but we do know that the mind is far more plastic yeah. than the body. So the mind is able to be manipulated, changed, and things like that. And I don't know how it is over there, but like in the States, it's almost like it's basically almost outlawed to um, to try and take that approach of like, hey, you're you're physically a male. Let's get your mind more aligned with you know manhood and masculinity, rather than than just say, well, you know, let's you know make mm -hmm. you over to a woman because it's how you feel. So it's it, it's a mess mm -hmm. either way you know either way you go about it. And I, I definitely feel for the people who are, who are going through it. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you and I could never really um, fully empathize or identify with that or understand that. You know, it's just the way that I was born this way, and it's just always the way that I felt. And so, it used to feel kind of strange or seem kind of other. But I, but I, but my perspectives kind of changed, and I'm kind of just open to these people and loving everybody and accepting everybody and learning how to be a better sure. dad. Which we probably should move on to because we're kind of like a down on a in a rabbit <laughs> hole. But I. 
But I think it's a good yeah. conversation, you know, and it's one that I like to have because, you know, it's, yeah. it's, I like the one thing that I like about what you said is that, you know, these people are, whoever it is, they, they're worthy of respect. I mean, I come from South Africa where, you know, African people were not worthy of respect or not considered worthy of respect a few, you know, decades ago, which, which is crazy. And you look at it now and you go like, wow, did this really happen? And, and that's why I've, I've learned from that. We can do things in, you know, in the moment and think that it's okay. And then you look back and you go like, really, was that, was that the way it was? I mean, I fought for my kids' custody to get them. 50 50 for four to five years as a man my father was a teacher who did everything to be yeah. in his kids lives and i had to fight with that why because i was at a disadvantage in that situation and so i've gone through that and know what prejudice kind of feels like yeah. and so i guess that helps me identify but we can go on to let's go on to some other subjects like your sons and stuff and raising your kids because you had your kids from a very young age um and how was that at a young age to raise boys yeah. i mean i'm 40 i'm the same age as you man my oldest kids, my twins, my twins are eight, bro. <laughs> and I can't imagine being, I can't imagine like oh, wow. having yeah. a 17 year old and a 20 year old in my house right now. And second of all, having had them, let me do my maths, at the age of 21 already. And then the other one at yeah. 24. So what, I have a few like things that I wanted to ask you because from what I see of you and, and, and what you post and, and your, um, your podcast that you do, I mean, raising them in a godly way and raising them as a Christian is very important and plays a great role in how you raise your kids. And, and that's something that I'm like, like I'm interested in the transgender dad, how he raises his kids in the relationship. I'm just as interested in how a Christian man who has these, these um, beliefs of masculinity and an idea of the state of man, how you raise your sons and, and how yeah. you approach that. And was it intentional from the beginning? Uh, so I can, I can tell you that there, there are aspects of the fact that we had kids young that I'm really proud of that we got through so many difficult years. Um, you know, th those kinds of things I can say, like those are, I can celebrate those, those are wins. Both of my kids were born on the autism spectrum. Both of them had a number of health issues, uh, you know, sure. and stuff like that. And so it's been hard. It's not been easy. And it's, I'll be honest with you, it's, uh, I've not done it well, probably for 15 of their years, maybe, maybe not that many, but at least 12, 10 to 12 years of their life. I. I didn't know what a, a dad was really supposed to do. I didn't really know what a, a man looked like, you know, to raise boys, you know? And so, wow. you know, I can say like during their formative years, I'm still trying to figure out what it looks like to just be a leader of my home or just a leader in general or feel comfortable in my own skin as a man, you know, in my house. Right. Because, yeah. you know, you're basically getting started at 20 years old. You know, our brains don't actually physically mature until about 27. And so it wasn't until I hit about 30 years old that I, that things really started to click for me. But by that time, our kids had, you know, had you know, a decade or so. So it was, you know, it's, it's, I, I didn't do things as well as I could have. And I honestly, I just wish I, there are times when I just wish I could just do it all over again, you know, like, uh, or, or at least moments of it again. There are things that when I got angry that in ways that I wouldn't get angry now, there are things that I would have said back then that I wouldn't say now there are where I would have lost my patience that wouldn't happen now and don't happen now. And there's just, you know, there are ways that, that I could have done fatherhood differently. And I, I don't know, I guess this is the challenge, you know, if guys are thinking about waiting, like maybe some 20 year old guys thinking about waiting. The thing is, I don't know if I would have learned the lessons without having gone through fatherhood. So I don't know if I could have learned how to be more patient and more loving. And more. I don't think I would have known certain things about myself, you know, uh, you know, earlier on without having, having gone through this. So, you know, in a sense, I think there are just some things you just have to learn as you're going through it. But uh, there are definitely moments that I, that I wish that I had, had some more maturity in some kind of way, yeah. especially when we got started early. So my first question is like, why, 
why do you think it took so long for you to kind of realize that? Because it was about 15 years. So that's quite yeah. long in, in, in years as far as like being a father for quite a long time before you kind of realize, okay, well, oh, I'd like to do things again or I better step up as a man. It's kind of important. Yeah, so I think there's there's a couple of reasons for that. One, you know, we got married at 18. And it was probably about, you know, uh, nine, eight, nine years later that my brain finally matured, right? So I've got some <laughs> frontal cortex stuff oh. that's there now that wasn't there before. Well, you're lucky. Yeah, yeah. I think I took and longer. So I, I think I took longer. <laughs> it does. Well, yeah, and I think I was kind of forced into that just because of having kids and responsibility and all that. But, you know, uh, some of it has to do with we all come into a relationship or adulthood with certain ways that we think uh, love works. And so, like, for example, when I was a kid, I was given a lot of time to myself and a lot of time to figure things out on my own. And there was a lot of self-reliance that, that I was allowed to have. And I saw that as, as an adult as a very loving approach to life, you know. But that doesn't work for everybody. Not All, all kids are not wired the same. All, uh, all environments don't need the same kind of approach. And so it took me a while to realize that um, – the way the way things that it just because it I found some value in how I was raised doesn't necessarily mean it was the best way to do it. And it, coming to the conclusion that you know there are different ways, other perspectives, and how that could be done differently. Uh, that's taken years. It's just it's just taken a while. You have to almost see it. An example, you know, you can read about some things, but it's more helpful to be able to see it. I think a part of our challenge too was that you know we were we were younger, but most of our friends who had kids. Um, you know, they were, they were older. So they, they just kind of had some maturity that we didn't have, even though the kids were maybe the same age as our kids. Um, mm. they, they just kind of got started later, like, like most people do. Yeah. And so it was difficult to kind of dial in, like, what, how do I do things the right way or differently? Um, mm. And so it just, it just took time. Maybe I'm stupid. I don't know. I just, it just took me a while for that to <laughs> sink in. I don't think it's stupid. I just think that it's a lot of men lack intentionality or lack awareness. If I would think yeah. of myself at that age, if I did kids at your age, it would have been exactly the same time because I'm kind of on the same time frame as you, except that I am 41 yeah. and I've got a head start. Oh, it's kind of weird. In one, I've got a head start because my kids are younger, but in one way, I'm kind of delayed because I'm older and had to wait longer to develop myself. And you hit the nail on the head there that basically you don't know if you would have developed as you had if you hadn't had kids so early. And I agree completely with exactly. that because I took a long time to actually step up. Um, I've done things in my life and I've, I've obviously got a job and I've done certain things right, thank God, and that I've actually ended up where I am very happily and, and, and kind of, you know, fortuitously in some ways. Yeah. But as far as stepping up as a man, dealing with my anger, I mean, I commented on your on your post the other day, that that quote from Emerson about, um, All right. you know, taking everything that someone says when someone contradicts you, that it's basically an attack or something like that. You right. know, that's me. And I started the dad syndicate one because I wanted to reach other dads, but two, because I was going through this whole challenge in my own fatherhood and myself as a man and realizing that I was letting the side down, that I was letting my kids down, that I was being a great dad as far as doing activities and being an outdoors guy and hugging my kids and being very affectionate. But then at the same time, having this anger problem and having these issues that kind of, that kind of decay the relationships to a slightly between your wife and you and, and, and must affect the kids, you know, not naturally I had a divorce to go through in a custody yeah. battle to fight, but I didn't deal with those things well because I didn't take ownership of myself. I was blaming everyone else from the courts to the lawyers to my ex-wife. And suddenly I woke up and went, hang on, why are you, <laughs> why are you, why are you focusing 
on what other people are doing the whole time and getting angry and working yourself up. And then when you have your kids, you are in a bad mood. Why don't you focus on what you can do to yourself as a man and what home you can build and a life and a family and create that environment for my kids. And what do you know, you know, a couple of years later or a year later, I had my kids half time, you know, just by creating a home in that environment. And that made me think, damn, I must help other guys do this. But I started helping other guys do this in the middle of not knowing how to do it myself. You know, it's like I'm by no means there. And what excites me about this whole project and about the dad syndicate and about what you're doing is, and you know that this is probably true, um, is that you just get so much more knowledge and more skillful and more competent and more capable as you do every podcast, as you read every book, as you do these things. And so I'm pretty excited to be here after five or so months to think where I would be in a year and a half, whether I would become well-known or this podcast would have how many thousands of downloads, I know that I'm going to change. I know that I'm becoming a better dad and that I'm becoming a better man talking to you and that I'm becoming a better man talking to every man that I've talked on here and just from reading books and and working on myself. And I thank God, you know, for waking me up early in my kid's life because when I hear what you say, I'm surprised, man. And and it's, you know, it hurts hurts a little bit to know that this is happening in so many dads' life and that they don't wake up. Because it's yeah. it's about the kids, right? It's about raising kids that are confident that contribute to society, correct? Yep. <laughs> but yeah. But it's also about us, our one life that we have. And what a waste yeah. when the greatest joy on the face of this planet that I know, long-lasting joy, is my children and the time that I've spent with them and the effort that I've put into them and the moments that I've that I've enjoyed with them and the memories that I've made and then the change that they have made in me because they make me want to be better. You know, it's like as good as it gets where he says, you make me want to be a better man. That's exactly how it is with my kids. And I know that you woke up to that eventually. And I'm sure you're very grateful for that. And so we can move on to kind of what are some of the, what are kind of the the key things that you're doing with your sons now that are making you a better father and are impacting them in a positive way? That's a good question. It's changed a lot uh, over the years, just as they've become teenagers. My oldest son actually went off to college for a little bit and came back home. And I would say the biggest thing is intentionality, uh, is, is, is choosing to show up in their life because especially as they get older, they have their own schedules, they're doing their own things. It's kind of like you've got to basically make time for them. Like you've got to say, we're getting together on this time to sit down and talk and hang out. And so that may be going putt-putt golf. It may be getting some food together. It may be like my youngest son, he's still homeschooled. So we spend some time, you know, doing homeschool stuff, we're, st- we're still we see each other. We're in each other's lives, you know, um, uh, in an intentional way. My oldest son, uh, he'll come to work, you know, sometimes and we'll talk and hang out. We're getting ready to go to a concert uh, on Friday this week. So mm-hmm. there's there's just you know, like moments of intentionality and, and not don't just expect it to just happen like this, you know. And, and those intentional moments don't have to be like you're going to read some kind of passage from the Bible to them and, and instruct them and all this other kind of stuff. It's just like just be together. Just allow them to, to feel your presence and to know that you love them you care about them you know and uh and i think that's that's how i would say it today and as as you continue to grow as a man like i i it would not benefit them if i downloaded everything that i'm learning while i'm doing wolf and iron onto them right because that's they would they would get sick of it but sometimes i can find a little nugget or a little something that i think like this this might be good for them like i'll, I'll share with them or, or a thought or an idea or maybe just a self-discovery because there's there's more than likely just some things that i'm dealing with or have had issues with uh, but just either because of genetics or because they've been raised by me, they're going to have the same issues and, you know, or just because they're men, 
you know, they're going to have the same issues. So it's going to, at some point, this is going to show up as being helpful in their life, you know. Mm. Yeah, 100%. But I think that it's interesting to look at how you were and probably the mistakes you made. And I think for dads listening or men listening that are in those moments, it's good for them to identify them. And for you, you seem like quite a candid guy and quite and, and honest. Um, yeah. What were some of the things that you that you look back on and regret or kind of things that you wish you had done different and possibly that guys could look out for in their own own behaviors to avoid yeah. that looking back after 15 years and going, oh, wow. Because I think that must be quite sad for you as well. Yeah, it is. Uh, some of those things would be, um, like, just to be honest, like I, I would have locked down all of our computers far better than I did, you know, to keep any kind of pornography out of the house, that kind of stuff. I, I, I just assumed because we were a homeschool family and these weren't like, you know, you just don't really realize how aggressive social media is and all these, really the porn sites and all that to try and suck people into that world, you know? And, uh, that's, that would probably be the one thing. And I would, especially for dads of young kids, listen, like you've got to put the filters, the blocks, to make sure this thing is like Fort Knox. You got to lock this sucker down so that your kids are not getting to anything that you don't ex explicitly want them to see. Otherwise they're going to find either they're going to find their way to something or they're going to be accidentally drawn to something. And it's going to change, it's going to change their view on the world. It's going to cause them to struggle with lust, pornography and things like that in ways that, you know, uh, we probably didn't have to deal with this kid more than likely. Mm, yeah, I understand that. So what are some of the, so what are some of the memories that you've made since then? What are some of the like standout moments of your time with your, your teenage sons or actually well, adult yeah, yeah, something we weren't able to do early on was really travel much. Like I said, both the kids were born on the on the spectrum, and so we we weren't really able to get out and go on trips and do things like that. We we did some things here and there, but just not as much as I would have wanted to, or as I, I think they would have wanted to. And essentially, we've been able to travel more. Uh, we've been able mm -hmm. to, you know, we've been to uh, you know overseas or, or you know like on a cruise stuff like that. We've been to Disney a few times. Uh, there's just been more trips and, and things like that, and I think. For me, anyhow, just breaking from the norm is always a good way to, um, uh, to kind of create memories because it's like you're in a different place, you're doing something unique, and it just gives you a perspective that you didn't have before on the world, on yourself, all kinds of stuff. So I love traveling. I love doing trips and stuff like that. So that's mm -hmm. been a big one for us is just you know, the opportunity to, to travel, you know, be a, a big one. Cool. Awesome. Well, I know we're bumping up against time. So I'd just like to ask you a couple of more, well, one more question actually, because I think it's such a yeah. major impact on how we raise our kids and, and how effective you are as a father. What is the key to your success with your marriage and that you, how you've kept it going and, and how you relate to your wife and those things? Well, I'm probably going to have to pass on that one because I don't have it figured out yet. Uh, you know, I wish I, 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 here's what I could say. You know, success in marriage is, is one thing. That's a, that's probably a separate, that's a whole nother discussion. But I would say the main thing that a person can focus on is like saying, what, what, how do, why do I think the way I think about the world and what parts of that are allowing me to engage in, in a relationship more and more fully and what parts of that are causing me to pull away from relationship, mm. you know? And I think that's really the, the, the main thing that any man can do, right? Any, or your wife can do this, right? I mean, it's just asking those questions. What, what causes me to invest and engage more fully in a relationship, how mm. I see the world? And what causes me to pull back and it's the the ways in which we pull back and that's just an honest assessment of ourselves those are the things that really are going to cause uh, a lot of problem at least the problems that we can maybe control and so the sooner mm -hmm. you can kind of dive into that uh, the sooner you're going to be able to, to get things on the right track 
Cool, man. Thanks for the answer. And lastly, one one nugget for men out there. For right. One one little word of wisdom for the men out there. Uh, one of the things that that you know is true across the board is that men are incredibly lonely these days. We're all in need of uh, a band of brothers and men in our life. And we're not in the position where we used to go out and like, you know, hunt animals together. Maybe you still do, but a lot of guys don't do that. We don't build our homes. We don't protect our, our cities together and that kind of stuff. And if we do, we do it in, for a period of time in the military or something along those lines. But mm. here's the thing. You got to recognize that just about anything good that you want to happen as a man is probably going to happen in the context of other men. And you're going to have to be intentional about it. And so that means mm. that you've got to seek out those guys. It might be somebody who's not even in the same season of life as you. It could be a mentor figure. But you've got to make an yeah. intentional decision to seek out the people that are going to, um, yeah. you know, that you're going to share life with. Yeah. I think it's exactly the same with all fathers. So it's exactly the advice that I would give to guys and why we start the communities like I have on Facebook and why you have started the Wolf and I and why there's these other ones popping up and how important it is to band together. And I wanted to talk to you about that because I know that you've started your band of brothers and you've started to develop that. Uh, there's so many more things we could have talked about. We just touched on <laughs> Rustic and Maine and a couple of things. Um, hopefully we can do do a, another one and, and talk about the other things that remain. I think there was so much yeah. more to talk about, but good to touch base. Really appreciate you coming on the show and making time for me in between your busy life. Love what you're doing with the rings and a little secret um, at the end of the podcast. I bet you my wife won't or my she's not actually my wife. She's my girlfriend. So I'm hoping to get hold of you. I'm hoping to get hold of you for a couple of rings eventually. No, really. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. So, um, Mike, thanks a lot, man. God bless. Take care, bro. All right, Tom. Appreciate it so much. Great conversation. And we'll definitely do this again. So that wraps up another episode of the Dad Syndicate podcast. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for your support. Please go check us out on Instagram and please check us out on our Facebook group called the Dad Syndicate Arena. Send me an invite request. We'd love to have you there having the conversations that we're having and pushing each other. I hope you got something out of the discussion that I had with Mike today. And if you did, please share this with other men and fathers and leave us a rating and a review on Apple iTunes. So thanks once again. And remember that all the time, energy and hard work that you put into being the man that your family need and deserve is always going to be worth it. So be relentless. Mm-hmm.